Good evening. Time to begin our services this evening. Start with number 302. We're going to sing a couple songs and then Jerry will have our reading prayer. And one more in our lesson for tonight with Mark Gates. Three hundred two. I want to be a soul winner for Jesus every day. He does so much for me. I want to be a lost sinner to Jesus every way and be from bondage free. A Jesus, a soul, winner for Jesus, oh, let me be each day, a soul, winner for Jesus, a soul, winner for Jesus, he's done so much for me, I want to be a soul. Till Jesus calls for me to lay my burdens down. I want to hear him say, Servant, you've gathered many sheep, receive a shining crown. A soul, a winner for Jesus, a soul, a winner for Jesus. Oh, let me be each day a soul, winner for Jesus, a soul, winner for Jesus, he's done so much for me. Before the uh, prayer and scripture reading, sing Surround Us, Lord. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. Surround us, Lord. 
If you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading Psalms 84, first 11 verses. Psalms 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home. And the sparrow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my kings and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is a man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacon, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withhold from those who walk uprighty. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've granted us. We're thankful for your son who came and died for each of us. We're thankful for the many blessings that you've given us, our health, our strength for the congregation here at Rome. We're thankful for Mark and his will to preach your word. We pray that you bless him and, and his wife and his family. Father, we come at this time asking that you bless our sick, that you continue to be with Jennifer and the medicines that are being used to help her and, and Casey and give them strength and courage. We pray for Charlie and Jim Haney and Marvin and Judy and Judy Gerald and all of our others, Father, that, that are shut-ins and that are home and, and not up to par. We pray, Father, that you bless those who are having difficulty and that are hurting at this time, that you give them strength, especially those that have lost loved ones in the past. Bless them, give them strength, and pray they look to you for guidance and help. Go with us through this service. Be with Mark as he presents us with a lesson. We're thankful that we can uh, have ministers from other congregations preach and that we all are on the same page. Go with us through this service. Forgive us in thy son's name we pray and amen. Song of invitation this evening is 319. 319. And for the lesson tonight, number 164. Would you stand, please? 164. <clears throat> Blessed Savior, we adore Thee, we Thy love and grace proclaim. Thou art mighty, Thou art holy, glorious is Thy matchless name. Glorious, glorious, glorious is Thy name. Redeemer, Lord and Master, light of all. 
eternal days. Let the saints of every nation sing thy just and endless praise. Glorious, glorious, glorious is thy name, O Lord. Glorious, glorious, glorious is thy name, O Lord. From the throne of heaven's glory to the cross of sin and shame, thou didst come to die a ransom, guilty sinners to reclaim. Glorious, glorious, glorious is thy name, O Lord. Glorious, glorious, glorious is thy name, O Good to see you folks again. It's been a while, hasn't it? You think about it, I think the last time I was blessed to be with you was prior to all the COVID fun, if you want to call it that, huh? We all went down that road, didn't we, for a long time. I'm not sure we're out of the water yet, so to speak, but nonetheless, it's always good to come back and see you folks. I told Chris I was going to brush up my toga since I was coming to Rome and coming to enjoy the chariot races and all the fun festivities and watch the gladiators in the arena. And uh, lo and behold, I come down here and it's the same as it always is. Well, the psalmist said in Psalm 122 and verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. For you and me, this is the highlight. This is the pinnacle of every week. I just look forward to every Sunday. It's just something that is in the nature of a child of God. We just love this. And when we can't be here, quite honestly, it's, it's rather devastating. At least it is in my experience. Uh, that was the worst part of when I contracted the COVID. I was not able to worship with my brethren. And I'll tell you, that really... Uh, it hurt. When I had surgery back in uh, 2019, it was horrible because I wasn't able to assemble with my brothers and sisters. And that was very frustrating to me. Every time the doors are open and the brethren assemble, I'll tell you what, there is nowhere I would rather be. Nowhere. Somebody says, well, you only go to church services because you're a preacher. I know, I've heard this one before. Well, they say it's just part of your job. No, even if I'm not the preacher. And I certainly don't feel that that should have any bearing on it. There's nowhere else I would ever want to be. This is the greatest possible thing that, that exists in every week we have. If the church were to meet three times on a Sunday, do you know I would be there every time? I know some of my brethren would gasp. They'd say, I just can't imagine three times on a Sunday. That would be too much. No, not for me. Not for me. The times I think about going to the lectureships, uh, you know, when I was in Knoxville and spending hours listening to men preach the gospel. People just couldn't imagine sitting that long and feasting on the word of God. The reason I feel this way is because God must always come first. Always, without exception, there is nothing more important than God. If my brethren assembled in his honor, why would I want to be anywhere else? That doesn't make sense to me. 
if there is something better, if there's something more preferable, I wish somebody would enlighten me. You know, is it a television program? Is it a sporting event? Is it a hobby? Are you truly glad when it's time to assemble to worship God? You know, it's kind of like the song, Blessed Assurance. And it talks about the idea of it being a foretaste of glory divine. Oh, what a blessing it is. Just love worshiping God. In our lesson this evening, we're going to look at a precious psalm. We're going to look at Psalm 84. And I know I'm doing the unconventional tonight. I'm doing the unthinkable, not using a PowerPoint. This is kind of old-fashioned, all right? This is rough. I mean, granted, it's after the days when our brethren used to preach off of bedsheets. Did you know they used to do that? Yes, they used to paint the bedsheets, and they would hang them up between trees, and they would preach for hours, pointing at those bedsheets that people could see and understand the things that were being emphasized. So I understand that the PowerPoint can be enjoyable. But I figured since we're going to be looking at the psalm, let's just look exactly what's in Psalm 84. He starts out the very first thing, the longing for God. And you listen to him in Psalm 84, 1 and 2. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Oh, to have such love. Such a longing to focus in our thoughts, in our hearts, and in our minds, the wonders of God. The word soul in the Hebrew refers to the innermost part of an individual, the innermost being, if you will. And from deep within, you know, he cries out to spend time with God. The Hebrew word for cry is fascinating. It's a word picture of a baby when the baby is hungry and the baby cries because he wants to be fed. Infants will clench their fists. They will kick. They look like they're in the terrible state of agony when they don't get what they want. And we cry out for God with every fiber of our being. Can you really picture this today, the day in which you and I live? Can you? Think about it. You know, can you imagine our brethren yearning for and longing for great anticipation to get together to worship God? Friends, every time the doors are open and the church assembles, we should always long to be there. There's nowhere else to be. It's so sad today to see the lack of excitement among Christians. Some of them are kind of like, well, you know, I, I do it once a once on a Sunday, and that, that's enough for me. It's, it's, it's an overload. I, I just can't imagine that, you know, spending more time you know, in the word of God. Oh, no. That's not the way the psalmist felt. There's nowhere one would rather be. Second, I find this one the most fascinating in this particular psalm. He expresses his jealousy over the birds. You're going to look at me funny when I say that. Look at Psalm 84, 3 and 4. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altar, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. In ancient times, birds were allowed to build their nests around the temple of God. And rather than harm them, they let them build their nests. They didn't interfere with their lives. You picture it. There's a temple building surrounded by a large courtyard and birds here and there making their nests. If you notice carefully, these birds were near the altar. And it was the place of the altar where various sacrifices were made to God. The psalmist seems envious that they were in such close proximity to the glory of the living God. So he looks upon the birds with envy. Oh, how wonderful it is that you're so close to God. He even, thirdly, talks about being envious of the officials. Our psalmist realizes that as much as he would like to spend every day in the temple of God, he knew that that's not realistic. He sees the birds and he gets to 
that, you know, they get to remain there. But he notes that the priests and the Levites, they got to frequent the temple. But he's not a bird. He's not a priest. He's not a Levite. It was essential, however, that he could provide for his family so he knew he couldn't remain there. But as in our case, we may not be able to enjoy it daily, but we need to frequent it whenever we can. Every function of the church, it's for you, and it's for your benefit. And as he rejoices in that thought, there are some things he recognized. I was looking at what an author had written about. He said, blessed is the man who gets his fulfillment and gets rejuvenated when he worships God. Blessed is the man whose highlight of the week is when he gets to worship God. Blessed is the man who is gratified and satisfied by God rather than by something else. Even today, we find all sorts of things to occupy our time. Maybe we spend time in relaxation. Maybe you like to sit down, read a good book, stretch your feet out a little bit, enjoy the sun of the day. Well... Maybe it's on vacation. You long for those vacation trips, don't you? We make plans for them long in advance. But then it dawns on us that something is actually missing. As wonderful as all that is, there's something missing. And what we are missing is that precious fellowship with God. You know, there are a lot of things, a lot of things in this world that can occupy your time. You know this. And I know that a lot of it is enjoyable. No doubt about it. But there is a hole in our life that needs to be filled by God. Do you know there are a lot of people in our world today who feel that there is a hole in their lives? They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what they're searching for. But they somehow feel, despite all the things that they enjoy, there is something seriously lacking. Psalm 84, beginning verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And as they pass through the valley of Mecca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. The pilgrimage refers to the highways that would lead to Jerusalem. Yes, people had to travel great distances sometimes to go to Jerusalem to be able to worship God. He's talking about setting one's heart on going to the temple, looking forward to it. Now, some of you have it really really easy coming here, don't you? You probably don't come the great distances. Some of my brethren do. I know there were some when I was preaching in Colorado that traveled 60 miles to worship God. You just assume that, hey, it's a short you know, trip. And we'll be able to get there at no time, and we'll be able to enjoy all of this. Well, even in the first century, there were people who traveled great distances. And even back in the days when the psalmist wrote, they were still, as I said, they were traveling great distances. You're so accustomed to having everything. And you think in your mind, I'm just going to jump in a car and I'm going to go. They didn't have. And sometimes it took days to get to the temple of God. He speaks about that valley of Baca. It's really fascinating because he's talking about rains and pools. And you say, I don't understand that. It's almost like there's a dryness spiritually. And he knows, as we do, we thirst for God. Did not Jesus talk about that in in the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Or as we would say, satisfied. Psalm 84, verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. In a hot, in a very arid climate, we welcome those little rest stops where you can quench your thirst. Even when we travel, folks, on the interstates, I don't know about you, but I am one who smiles when I see rest area. Sometimes they're desperately needed. I've been on some roads where there aren't any for a long way. And then you see that terrible sign where it says rest area and you see a sign that goes diagonal saying closed. And then you've got to drive how many more miles until you find one. 
These people would travel from pool to pool. And the writer refers to it as strength to strength. They would get a, an opportunity to draw some water. They would be able to rest. They'd be able to converse and to enjoy themselves. But the true strength, the true strength is God. Look at your own life. We go from one situation to another. We offer our prayers. God answers those prayers. Um, maybe not the way you and I want. But every opportunity that is ours to assemble with the saints is like steps on the way to get closer to God. I look forward to being with my brethren. We should value those. Strength to strength. That's the way I see it. Week to week. We go from Sunday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Sunday. Those are stepping stones. They're areas which we can draw strength. Our goal is ever before us that we ultimately would want to appear in the true Zion, which is heaven. But what is beautiful is the words that follow. Listen to them. Psalm 84, 8 and 9. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield. Look upon the face of your anointed. He's asking God to hear his prayer. As we would say in our modern expression, please, Lord, make it happen. Please. He wants God to be his shield. He wants God to be his protector. And there's no doubt here that the psalmist is contemplating difficulty on the journey. Depending on the direction he would have to journey to Jerusalem, there could have been all kinds of problems. Do you remember in the parable of the Good Samaritan? The road from Jerusalem to Jericho had robbers, people who would hide in the crevices and the holes in the rocks and come out and they would rob people and beat them, take what they had. Even with our road or path to eternal life, we have obstacles. There are things that you and I have to deal with. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And friends, that's far, far worse than any robber that could get in our way. We want God to help us so that we get to the promised land, that promised land of heaven. We need God as our ultimate shield and to ourselves put on the Christian armor. You remember Ephesians six thirteen. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Oh, we need that so much. The psalmist wanted and treasured the God of heaven. He looked forward to it. It was so exciting to envision the idea of traveling to the temple. And he was just so excited about it. But I love the next part which deals with the presence of God. Listen to these words because this is the highlight of the entire passage. Psalm 84, 10 through 12, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Yes, no Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. As wonderful as life can be at times, with all the beauties of God's creation, and you know it as well as I do, there are some wonderful things to see. The psalmist says, there's no place he would rather be than near God. No place. None that could be mentioned to him. Now, I want to make my point, and I want to do so, and I want to use just a little bit of fantasy for a moment. Let's suppose, just just for a moment here, that some well-known billionaire said, hey, I really like you. I really like you, and I, I like your family. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you and your family to anywhere in the world you want to go. I will let you go for a full two weeks, all expenses paid, and I'll even throw in $50,000 of fun money. Hmm, where would you go? Aruba, Barbados, St. Lucia, Fiji, Madagascar, the French Polynesia. I mean, we could list a whole lot of places you might love to go. You think of this 
And then you hear the psalmist say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. See, in the ancient world, with the temple of God, the doorkeepers were the Levites. They were the Levites. They were the ones who received the offerings of the people. It was their task to keep out anything that was considered to be unclean. Essentially, it's a servant position. It's not attractive, all right? Despite what you may think, this is not an attractive position at all. It's hard for you to conceive the thought that one day of worshiping God is far far more valuable than a thousand days anywhere else. And the tents of wickedness may mean all sorts of luxury, all sorts of sinful living. And yes, I know Things that are sinful can be very attractive. He even talks about Hebrews 11 that Moses had struggled with the things that are sinful. I thought it was a cute reading. One author said, you know, you could illustrate this, he said, with bumper stickers. Do you like to read bumper stickers when you're driving down the highway? Some of them to me are funny. I mean, that's just, I can't believe sometimes the things that people put on their cars. One says, well, I'd rather be fishing. Somebody else says, no, I'd rather be hunting. And, or somebody says, I'd rather be running or I'd rather be playing golf. or I'd rather be sewing. I'd rather be climbing. I'd rather be skydiving. You could make a long list. There have been so many out there. But in our modern era in which you and I live, the psalmist is driving down the highway. Can you picture this pulling up behind his car and reading on the bumper sticker, I would rather be in church? Can you imagine the reaction of people in this country to see that on the back of a car? I would rather be in church. People would say, there's something wrong with you. Why would you want to be that way? Today, we may have people who greet people at the door of a church building and make them welcome. And I think that's a a wonderful thing to do. There's nothing extravagant about that kind of a role or a position. I've had many a time I've visited congregations and somebody would greet me at the door and welcome me and my family, and I appreciate that. It's wonderful because it means you're in close proximity to where we worship God. That's what it means. That's why the psalmist You think about this, was envious of the birds. He's envious of the temple officials. It's because where they were located. So the question is, would you rather be a billionaire and have all the fun things that this world has to offer, or would you rather be a doorkeeper or greeter in the Lord's church? Ooh, wouldn't that be interesting? Hmm. The world can't grasp that sentiment. You know, they've adopted the old Epicurean philosophy. You probably know about it. Let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Yeah, that's Epicurean. That's what they believed in. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's all there is to life. The sad reality is that even in the Lord's church, we have those who cannot understand even now what I'm talking about. You think about Matthew 22, beginning verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Wow. Talk about a loaded question. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. People do not honestly understand what it means to love God with every fiber of your being. They don't understand putting God first in their lives. God is a convenience. He's only brought up when they need him. I never forget riding, I used to ride with the police quite a bit as a chaplain when I was in Colorado. And uh, I had to deal with people off the street, tried to do what I could to console people. Uh, Sometimes it could be rather difficult, but I never forget the time that I was called to the hospital. Uh, Somebody had been driving a motorcycle and was in a serious accident, didn't look like he was gonna make it. And I walked in to greet the family I'll never forget the father looking at me like he had all of a sudden had all the blood drained out of his face. He was as white as a sheet. And when he saw me, he said, is it that bad? Is it that bad? I thought, is that what I do? 
Is that what I bring to him is the thought that it isn't that bad? In other words, no other time am I going to think about God, but now all of a sudden you're here. This might be a lot worse than I thought it was. No, that young man didn't make it. But that's what I was there for, was to console and to comfort. It's difficult. You know, some people say, well, you know, I'd rather vegetate in front of the television. I'd rather read a good book. You know, God's not really that important in my life. He's, he's sort of a convenience whenever I want to pull him out when I need him. But you can't really say much because I have found in the day in which you and I live, if you tell people these things and you ask them how important God is in their life, they get upset with you. They get upset. You have challenged them. You have bothered them. And it's sad because, again, people don't understand or appreciate what it actually means to put God first in your life. In 36 years of preaching, soon to be 37, I have tried. I have tried over and over to preach to people to put God number one in their life above everything else. And the result is always the same. It's like the old saying, water on a duck's back. The majority of people that I preach to just look at me like you cannot be serious. Oh, I have a few who will certainly say that. You know, to me, that's the most important thing in my life is God. And other people will say, well, there he goes again. He's always saying what he's paid to say. That seems to be a real popular comment. You know, you're just paid to say things like that. Well... I'll say to you this, wrong. I say it because God is more important than anything in your life. Absolutely. And if you haven't got that point, then as a preacher, I feel like I have failed. Look with me at the gifts that come from verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, for the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. How is God a son to us? Because, friends, he shines the light in the darkness. John 8, 12, what is our Lord said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It reiterates again, God is our shield. Because you think about Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And don't you love the words, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God will bless you if you live for him and you do his will. No, it's not a promise that you won't have difficulty. Don't misunderstand me. But the beauty is that you have someone to help you through the difficulties of life. He cares for you. He will take care of you. Yeah, I guess I will add the cherry on the end of it. Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. It's wonderful. Friends, it's just wonderful to be close to God. To trust in the Almighty is our shield and our stay. It's a tremendous blessing for those who trust in God. You know, James 4 and verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you remember in the story of the prodigal son? How the father was overjoyed to see the son that had left and gone away and wasted his money, living what the Bible calls riotous living. So it is with God, our father. The sentiment is that it's better to spend one day with God than to spend a thousand days somewhere else. Just a few little practical thoughts and the lesson is yours. As you reflect on the words of the psalmist, is there anything in your life? Is there anything in your life that you need to get rid of to make more time for God? That's become one of the greatest problems for the, the church in the 21st century. As people don't have time for God. That's the words that I hear. I'm so busy. I don't have hardly time. I mean, you know, look at my schedule. I never forget the time I was... You know, died of Tennessee, I was preaching. And I was younger then, considerably younger, and I spent a lot of time with the young people. And I enjoyed it very much. 
I asked them if they'd come over to the house and just enjoy a cookout and just some fellowship. And all of a sudden, to my absolute surprise, they started pulling out pocket planners. I'll never forget that. I didn't see it coming. They were looking to see if they could fit me in their schedule. I said, when I was a kid, the only thing I ever knew was a bicycle. And I rode that thing from morning until dark. And if you asked me to do something or go somewhere, I would stop everything and go. I mean, there wasn't anything on my schedule. What a frightful thing to see people so busy. They don't have time for God. The psalmist reflected upon his life. He longed more than anything in this life to be with God. God consumed his thoughts. God consumed his life. How many of us can say that of our own life? I want you to this week to seriously look at your own life and see how much God consumes your life. Truly. Let's consider some simple thoughts. Do you look forward to every service of the church? Do you really just enjoy that? Do you get excited when congregations have gospel meetings or seminars? Do you pick up your Bible? Or do you read it on a daily basis? You'd be surprised. You really would. How little some folks regard God on any day other than Sunday. I know folks reason, but I give him an hour of worship. What more could he want? I'm sorry, folks. That's treating it like fire insurance. I paid my premium. No. You want to give your life to God. They just can't wrap their minds around the idea that God wants everything from you. He wants your all. He doesn't want a part. He wants your all. Have you ever looked upon our world from space? Do you ever get a chance to do that? You can go online, by the way, if you're not scared of the Internet. And you can actually go to the uh, Hubble Space Station, or the uh, International Space Station. I've talked about the Hubble, but... Uh, I love that too, but the International Space Station looks down upon the earth. It's always such that you can pull it up online and you can see the beauty of the earth right before your eyes. And I'll tell you what, what's so fascinating about it is all of your problems, all your frustrations will seem so petty when you view the world and realize we are but a very, very tiny part of a massive universe. If only we could open ourselves enough to realize what it is that really occupies our time. And I'll say this to you. It's insignificant next to God. Totally. Yeah, I'll tell you what, friends. It's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. As the song says, nearer my God to thee, even though it be a cross that raises me. So I ask you this evening, does God consume your life is there anything in this vast universe that is more precious than God enlighten me I don't think you're going to find anything that supersedes the almighty and the everlasting and I hope you're like me you want to be in heaven for all eternity I look forward to that with such great anticipation. But remember, Acts 4 and verse 12 says, neither, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I look to Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, verse 6. Are you willing to turn your life over to him? The steps are simple to believe that Jesus is the Christ, John 8, 24, repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5, confessing our Lord, Romans 10 and verse 10, and being baptized to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. Last thing I say, how about you? Is God number one in your life? If he's not, I pray you'll come as together we stand and as we sing. I've heard of a land of joy and peace, a wonderful life. A beautiful place, a mansion fair, and skies ever bright. Where all who believe the Savior near forever shall stay. And having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way. 
I'm going that way, I'm going that way, and Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to him and never to stray, yes, singing his praises all day long, I'm going that way. The glorious news I tell and sing is onward I go. That those who are still astray in sin, my Savior may know. I want them to sing his praise above some beautiful day. For glory to him who died for me, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. Sing his praises all day long, I'm going that way. I know I shall meet him at the gate when trials are past. I know I shall meet him face to face in glory at last. And oh, I believe that when we meet, well done, he will say. For trusting his soul, redeeming love, I'm going that way. I'm going that way, I'm going that way, and Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day, I'm clinging to him and never to stray, yes singing his praises all day long, I'm going that way. Good evening, church family. Mark, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you. Um, a couple of announcements before we are dismissed. Um, if you have a child who is three to four years old and you want to enroll them in preschool, please see Connie. Also, we, we are still needing volunteers to cut grass. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board uh, if you can help out with that. Also, um, teen devotional after services this evening. Um, we will be taking Big Red. Uh, that's the, what the kids call the red church van. The bus they call Granny White. So um, they have their nicknames for the, for the cars. But um, <laughs> uh, we're taking Big Red to go bowling, and then afterwards we'll go to Sonic. Uh, but the bowling alley closes at 8, so we, after services we need to head there. Um, Updates are on a prayer list. Uh, remember, continue to keep Jim Haney in your prayers as he is on appointment Thursday. Uh, remember, continue to keep Darren Baker, Yvonne Cornell, Sean Maynard, Judy Gerald, Jennifer Baker, Roger Pryor, Charlie Boso, and Ter uh, Terry Haynes. Uh, Tony Blake, um, update on Tony Blake. He's been admitted to the VA hospital, um, and uh, he will have a stress test and, and an echo tomorrow. So remember to keep Tony Blake in your prayers as he goes through these tests. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's close with number 297. 297. <clears throat> I want to be a worker for the Lord. I want to love and trust His holy word. I want to sing and pray and be busy every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will power to save. All who will truly come shall find a happy home.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and everything you've given us. Thank you for letting us come here today to learn more about you, Lord. Thank you for Mark's lesson, and please help us apply it to our lives. And thank you, for, thank you for everything you've done for us. Please help everyone on the prayer list right now, Lord. Please be with everyone who's suffered a loss, and just be with, be with everyone who needs you. And in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>